When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 18th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, but chilly. The high just going to be around 60. Tonight, overnight, mostly clear, low 52, and then Friday, just beautiful. Sun, clouds, high 66. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 39 and clear in Sleepy Hollow in Westchester. Shouldn't be that low in the spring. 48 and clear down in Wildwood, New Jersey, and it's just 44 and clear here in Midtown. You'll notice if you walk out the door, there's a little chill. It feels good, but uh, it's not going to warm up a whole lot. 60 and sunny, not too bad. Lots to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock. Hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Have you been following this whole Harry and Meghan story? They seem to, for people who don't want attention, they seem to garner an enormous amount of attention. This bizarre story that they left this theater on Tuesday night were followed by photographers. They said that they drove around the city for two hours trying to lose these photographers. At one point, getting in a cab, trying to trick them. The whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're still sorting it out. The NYPD con- uh, contradicting what the royal couple's uh, spokesman says. I guess they're not even a royal couple anymore are they uh you know it was in the beginning when they left the royalty i had some sort of respect for that i said okay hey he doesn't want that life but their actions since then have been so bizarre uh but i can't say that i really have an understanding of what they're going through because they're so high profile but i did have a moment uh years ago in 2012 when was the democratic convention when obama ran the second time 2012 right so in 2012 I went down to the Democratic Convention with Geraldo Rivera to cover it, and uh, it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I guess they're not used to seeing celebrities around there. So, like, here, you could be a celebrity in New York City, and if you decide you don't want to have an entourage and you want to live like a normal human being, you could take the subway, a bus, walk around, eat in a restaurant. Really, nobody will bother you. Once in a while, somebody will ask for a selfie. But if you act like just a normal human, people leave you alone. So, Geraldo, that's how he lives his life. He walks around the city, and people leave him alone. But we were down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, covering the Democratic Convention for WABC, by the way, and... All of a sudden, this huge crowd, uh, he walked out onto the street. We had done a radio show, and he walked out into the street, Arado, and all of a sudden, this huge crowd started to form around him like he'd stopped to take a selfie with somebody. Next thing we knew, 
I kid you not, there must have been 60 people standing around us wanting to take pictures with them. And they were pushing us towards this building that we were standing in front of. And he whispered at me, he's like, you got to get me out of here. Like it was, it was, I almost felt like I was with a beetle or something. It was so bizarre. So he said, figure out a way to weave through this crowd and we'll just, you know, he, I can't sit here with all these people and they're like screaming his name. So I take, I had a baseball hat. I put my baseball hat on his head and he took his hands and he put them on my shoulder and I just shoved my way through the crowd and we went to the garage where our car was parked. So. That's a little bit, I guess, what it must be like for Harry and Megan every single day. But again, if you don't act like a crazed person like they do, um, maybe people will leave you alone. I mean, in their case, obviously, the royalty is a little bit different. But uh, if they just stopped last night or two nights ago and let the photographers take their pictures and then drove home, they would have been fine. Two hours driving around. I don't believe that story. Oh, we'll get into that story, by the way. And a whole lot more. Here are the headlines. The top five at five. Some parents find out you can't fight or you can fight City Hall and win. The migrant mess here grows by the hour. MTA trying to find new ways to stop those fare beaters. What really went down with Harry and Megan? The city tries to stop shoplifters before they steal. All right, let's get into it. 504. We'll go out to New Jersey in what is a murder mystery this morning. A New Jersey woman reported missing on Mother's Day has been found dead. Let's get the latest now on that from WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. Police discovered the body of 32-year-old Norellis Mendoza of Lindenwald. Her body was found off Route 440 near the Jersey City border on Wednesday. A bolo was put out on Mother's Day, uh, Sunday night. Uh, Be on the lookout because Norellis was confirmed missing. Uh, No activity from her phone. That's Mendoza's cousin, Giovanni Molina, speaking to ABC7. Mendoza was last seen in Jersey City on Saturday. The 32-year-old is the mother of a 1-year-old and a 3-year-old. Anybody that knows Norellis knows that she was a mother from the moment that her firstborn you know, came into this world. She was a daughter, loved by her mother, her father, and she was uh, a great sister to her siblings. And now the family is pointing the finger at the person they believe to be responsible for her death, Mendoza's boyfriend, who is also the father of her children. Apparently, Mendoza's body was discovered near his home, and he was known to have a history of violence. Mendoza even had a restraining order against him. There was one. Um, I don't know if the restraining order was still active or if it was, uh, or it no longer was at the moment. With two separate cases of women being murdered by their spouses in Jersey City, Molina says he feels that Norellis was the victim of a similar crime. A couple of months ago, the city went through the same same situations, same circumstances where a mother uh, was murdered. Uh, so this is fresh and it's happening too often here in Jersey City. The death is being ruled suspicious while the medical examiner's office is working on finding the manner and cause of death. An investigation is still ongoing. Anyone with information should contact the Hudson County Prosecutor's Office at 201-915-1345. So, Alex, they didn't give us any indication of what happened to her or what they think might have happened to her? At this point, that is unclear. They're still waiting on the medical examiner's office to come back with the manner and cause of death. Hmm. All right. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC Newstime 509. Of course, the big story continues to be the crush of migrants that are sent here from the U.S.-Mexico border. Parents 
up early at PS 172 in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, protesting the fact that Mayor Adams wants to send some of those migrants to the standalone gym at their school. These parents up early. They want everybody to know they don't want the migrants there. I think it's a bad situation all around. It's not good for the migrants. It's not good for our school here. They don't have IDs. How are they going to go in without not even a background check or what's even their last name? Now, our own Curtis Sliwa, who, by the way, I have to give him props. He has broken a number of big stories with the migrants over the last week. He was the first one to tell us the migrants are going to be sent to Rockland and Orange Counties to hotels there. Uh, tipping off Ed Day, who was able to stop it from happening. He also tipped off uh, the folks in uh, Riverhead out on Long Island that Mayor Adams wanted to send buses there. They uh, 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 put in a uh, emergency act to stop that from happening. And this morning, Curtis is out with parents at PS 172 in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, to show his support for them. Uh, these parents have been out there since early this morning protesting they don't want the migrants to be snuck in in the middle of the night temperatures have dropped it's gotten colder we're here at ps 172 and you see the parents here and some of the children who go to school as they sit outside the school on 30th and 4th avenue and they're not leaving because uh on mother's day a lot of the materials were moved into the gymnasium they were promised to the children so that they could use it as part of the school. And then all of a sudden, with the migrants coming in, Eric Adams, the mayor, gave the order to the Department of Education to start moving the cots in. Yeah, that's May, uh, That's uh, Curtis with the uh, folks at PS172 this morning. Mayor Adams has been saying that he's looking at possibly using upwards of 20 gyms to house the migrants. Not enough bathrooms, not enough space. It's, there's other places to put them. No, they say it's last resort, but Parcel of Armory, Bed Bath & Beyond over there. Why can't other states also be a spot? So you can fight City Hall and win. That's what some parents at PS 188 in Coney Island have found out. Uh, they moved migrants into the standalone gym there. The parents said, wait a minute, this is too close to us kids. We don't know what's going on with those migrants. So yesterday, those migrants moved out of the gym at PS 188 and moved into a building at Toro College here in Manhattan on West 31st Street across from the Moynihan train station. Apparently it's not in use. So, uh, you, these parents protesting, they won there. Um, the not clear though, whether it'll stop the mayor from putting migrants in other standalone gym buildings across the city, as he suggested he might. More buses arrived yesterday. I mean, it's really sort of nonstop. The latest arrivals uh, come in addition to the 4,300 that have arrived in the last, let's see, it's probably nine days now as the city scrambles to find more temporary shelters. Mayor Adams, public advocate Jamani Williams, holding a press conference yesterday saying, hey, the White House needs to help us out. We are just completely overwhelmed. This is an emergency. It's, it's, it's baffling to me that uh, there are those on a national level uh, are not understanding what this is doing to New York City. Wake up, President Biden. Do something. Anything. Deputy Mayor for Health and Human Services, uh, Ann Williamson, uh, said during a press conference yesterday that they're using school gyms was just a short-term plan. Uh, not saying there's a reversal in strategy, even after they pulled those migrants out of PS 188 yesterday. On some days, more than 900 people coming into our city 
on top of the 67,000 that we've been able to help so far, it means that we have to be opening many new places and uh, we are exhausting the opportunities in New York City. City Council members say there are a fair amount of empty apartments across the city and they want to know why those aren't being used. On some days, more than 900 people coming into our city on top of the 67,000 that we've been able to help so far, it means that we have to be opening many new places uh, and for- uh, we are exhausting the opportunities in New York City. So we heard yesterday, uh, Sid and Friends in the Morning uh, City Councilwoman Vicki Palladino from Queens, uh, she had found out that Fort Totten in Queens is being placed as a, eyed as a place to put the migrants to. Actually, Curtis Sliwa tipped her off to that too, I think. So that's right in Paladino's district. And she told Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning that buses better not show up at the former military base. Fort Totten better not be touched. It had better not be touched. Because if you want to really bring the people out in droves, you touch any of our military bases, people will go hog wild. It's not clear how much say she'll have in that. Of course, the feds are in charge of that military base. It seems maybe Governor Hochul had reached out to the White House to use Fort Totten, but Palladino says she can do everything she can to stop it. Why can't we just say no? We did our share. That's enough. 54,000 or more are here. Turn the city upside down, totally dismantling every service that we have in place right now. And uh, it's time to turn the buses around and say no. And as we've told you, towns across New York have tried to push back on Mayor Adams uh, getting space in their towns, hotels, uh, shelters to house these migrants. Riverhead, one of those places out on Long Island, the Riverhead town supervisor declaring a state of emergency in connection to the migrants, uh, trying to stop some motels in town that had apparently made deals to house these migrants. We don't have the infrastructure to have an influx of individuals. So the state of emergency Riverhead bans all facilities, including hotels, motels, homeless shelters, transient lodging units from accepting migrants. We had the police department deliver uh, the notices to uh, some of these uh, uh, transient locations that house individuals, informing them it will be in violation of our town code. And it's illegal uh, for them not uh, to house these individuals. And uh, more buses arriving, like I said. So we don't we've lost count at this point just how many migrants have made it here. But there are more coming. The mayor said more coming over the weekend for sure. Port Authority Uh, up in Yonkers, by the way, the school superintendent there where they've taken in some migrants said he'd be willing to let the migrant kids into the school system there. We are ready to accept them in the classroom. We are ready to transition them into education in the most effective manner. We are we, we have individuals who are bilingual who can provide social emotional support. We have counselors, we have psychologists who understand how to deal with immigrant students. Yeah, so just overwhelming, no doubt, a mess, and will continue to be a big story right here in the big city. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and say good morning. Happy Thursday, Justin Ellick. Well, happy Friday Eve there, Noam Aladen. We're starting here with a big extra inning win in Queens for the Mets. Best in the Tampa Bay Rays. In 10 by a score of 8-7, to seven, reeling late once again and staring their third straight loss in the face with a three-run deficit in the ninth. Francisco Alvarez decided it'd be a good night for free baseball. And he drives one, deep left field. That goes really, that ball's out of here, and the game is tied. Off the facing of the second deck, Francisco Alvarez brings the Mets back from the brink with a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game at five. 
And then, after the race, hit back with two of their own to start the 10th. Pete Alonso said, enough is enough in the bottom half. Alonso drives one, deep left field, really going back, it's out of here, and the Mets win it! Into the second deck, Alonso a three-run shot, and the Mets walking off for the first time this year. Put those calls courtesy of SNY. The Mets will have a chance to take the series against the MLB best race in the rubber match set for 1.10 p.m. this afternoon. Tyler McGill will get the start against Tampa's Taj Bradley. I know somebody will be there. A little birdie told me Sid Rosenberg will be in attendance. As for the Yankees, the bats went cold up north in Toronto en route to a 3 to nothing loss in 10, squandering another very solid outing of the ace, Gary Cole. Cole went six strong, shutout innings, but Toronto's Chris Bassett countered with an even better outing, leaving zeros on the board until Danny Jansen's three-run walk-off homer in the bottom of the tenth. The Yanks will have a shot at winning the series in the finale tonight at 7.07 p.m. Nasty Nestor Cortez is set to take the hill against Toronto's Jose Barrios. And on the hardwood here, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat went into Boston and stole game one of the East Finals against the Celtics. Final score being 123 to 116. The Lakers and Nuggets are back in action in the West Finals tonight with an 8.30 p.m. tip-off for Game 2 and Denver leading the series one game to none. And on the ice tonight, Game 1 of the East Final between the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes is set for 8 p.m. in Carolina. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. Thank you very much, Justin. WABC Newstime 520. Seifulo Saipov, the man convicted in the 2017 terror attack on the West Side Highway bike path, killed eight people, injured more than a dozen when he drove his truck down the path. A terrorist attack, uh, Halloween Day, uh, sentenced formally yesterday to consecutive life in prison sentences without parole. Uh, was convicted earlier this year of murder. The uh, victims got to speak, as they always do in these cases, and then he had a chance to speak as well. Here's one of the victims who said, um, she, this is one of the victims who was really severely injured. Thankfully, she has recovered. But uh, she said she had waited for this day for a long time. I was shaking. Um, it was the moment I've been literally fantasizing about for the last five and a half years. But then for nearly 50 minutes, a very unremorseful Sapov doubled down on the ISIS propaganda that propelled him to carry out this attack while addressing the court yesterday. It's amazing that he could speak for that long, 50 minutes. Uh, not once did he apologize for killing eight, injuring more than a dozen on the bike path that day. And so many of the victims' families who have become like a family because they all went through this traumatic event together were in the courtroom yesterday and they say they were very disappointed that they got no apology from Saipov. I regret deeply and profoundly he could not have found just in court a moment to say, here were my convictions, here is maybe still what I believe, but I do feel for you, and I, I really apologize. Yeah, he could have gotten the death sentence, but they did not get a unanimous jury uh, to do so. Just one, you know, we don't know how many, how this jury decided, but so now consecutive life uh, sentences in prison for Saipov, who showed no remorse. In fact, apparently he only looked up once or twice for a second or two during those victim impact statements. Good, uh, you know, good riddance, put him behind prison forever. 522. Republicans, let's go down to D.C., where Republicans slamming President Biden for waiting until the last minute to agree to direct debt ceiling negotiations. Here's House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. They finally backed off the insane, unrational, unsensible idea that 
You just raise the debt ceiling. McCarthy claiming that uh, they've been pushing for more than 100 days to do something on the debt ceiling, make uh, have some negotiations, but they say the White House has just gotten in the way. This is what I wanted to avoid 105 days ago. McCarthy ruled out increasing taxes in a debt ceiling deal. It is not a revenue problem. It is a spending problem. Yes, so he signaled he would push for stricter work requirements for recipients of uh, federal government aid. That would be part of this package. If he doesn't want to have something that has consequences, he wants to borrow more money from China to pay an able-bodied person who has no dependents not even to look for a job. So no surprise, the Republicans blaming the Democrats uh, for the delay in getting this debt ceiling thing done. Of course, the Democrats, no surprise, blaming the Republicans. Uh, after that meeting yesterday, President Biden speaking out. I'm confident that we'll get the agreement on the budget that America will not default. It was civil and respectful, and everyone came to the meeting, I think, in good faith. Biden says a White House has designated senior officials to negotiate with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on this deal going forward. This negotiation is about the outlines of what the budget will look like, not about whether or not we're going to, in fact, pay our debts. I voted years ago for the work requirements that exist, but it's possible there could be a few others, but not anything of any consequence. 524, let's go down to Florida. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, we're waiting for him to make that White House announcement. Uh, announcement. Uh, in the meantime, signing four bills yesterday relating to gender care and identity for minors, as well as the use of public bathrooms, setting very clear standards. Joe Saunders of Equality Florida says DeSantis doesn't see freedom as a value worth defending. He sees it as a campaign slogan. He says all these bills DeSantis are signing is all with an eye on the White House 2024. Free states don't strip parents of the right to make health care decisions for their children. Free states don't ban books. They don't censor curriculum and they don't muzzle free speech. Yeah, and in Texas yesterday, a bill that would restrict transgender athletes there from taking part in college sports up for a vote. Not only do the physical advantages of a biological male create unfair competition, they also can and have put the safety of women at risk. State Representative Valerie Swanson there says it's not a ban. She says athletes with female on their birth certificates would compete uh, against men if a woman's competition in their sport is not offered or available. Transgender athletes are already banned from competing in high school sports in Texas. By allowing biological men to compete against women, we're opening our women up to an expanded, unnecessary risk. We are here to ensure that there is fair play at the highest, most competitive levels of college athletics. Former House Speaker Paul Ryan back in D.C. yesterday. But where, where has he been, right? He seems to have fallen out. But uh, honored with an official portrait at the U.S. Capitol yesterday. Thank you for always being a sounding board, for sacrificing all those days and years while I was in D.C., and for allowing me to serve my hometown for 20 years. Speaker Kevin McCarthy there says there's no greater warrior for prosperity, freedom, and a strong economy than Paul Ryan. He said all that before unveiling this portrait of the Wisconsin Republican. Only in America would it be possible for a kid from Janesville to go from an intern to Speaker of the House. Portrait lasts a long time, but a legacy of change lasts far longer. That's what Paul achieved. His legacy of change is all around us. 
And while we're in D.C., President Biden speaking out against anti-Semitism. I guess it would be a bigger deal if he wasn't speaking out against anti-Semitism. But here he was. In America, evil will not win. Hate will not prevail. The venom and violence of anti-Semitism will not be the story of our time. Hosting uh, lawmakers, community leaders for a reception at the White House to mark Jewish American Heritage Month. Didn't know that was the case this month. Biden referring to anti-Semitism as a stain on the soul of the nation. We are just getting started on this Thursday morning. So much to get to as we work our way up to the six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. The desperate search for two missing boys in Manhattan continues. We'll give you the latest details on that. Wait till you hear how much the MTA has lost to fare beaters over the last year. It is astronomical and they're trying to find new ways to stop it. We'll get into that before the morning is out. Uh, what really went down with Harry and Megan in Midtown Manhattan? Were they really chased for an entire two hours by photographers? We'll get to that story. And the city making another bid to try to stop shoplifters before they steal. That and more, but first this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. More people jumpstart their morning listening to number one rated Sid and Friends in the Morning. Weekdays at 6. Brian Kilmeade at 10. 12.01. Curtis Lewa. 1. Greg Kelly. 3. Rudy Giuliani. 4. Rose Nerdly's Rush Hour. 5. Cats and Cosby. Mark Levin at 6. Bill O'Reilly at 9. Rita Cosby at 10. Dominic Carter at midnight. Then, the other side is midnight with Frank Morano. This is 7. WABC. Talk, talk in the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's May 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 18th. Your forecast now from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine, but chillier than it should be. The high just around 60. Tonight, overnight, mostly clear, low 52. And then Friday, sun and clouds, high 66. Walking out the door with us right now. So happy you are. 39 and clear in Sleepy Hollow up in Westchester. 48 and clear down. Down in Wildwood, Jersey Shore, and it's 44 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour with these amazing numbers from the MTA. What fair beaters are doing to the un- uh, MTA is unbelievable. They're un- uh, unveiling these numbers that are crazy about fair evasion. In 2022, the MTA says it lost $690 million to fair evaders. <laughs> That's crazy. But wait, it gets worse. The MTA says it's now on track to lose a billion this year to fair evasion. So now you're getting a better sense of why they want congestion pricing. They have to make up the money somewhere. The MTA also unveiling the most recent improvement to the transit system that they hope will save money. They were demonstrating yesterday these high-tech subway turnstiles that are a whole lot more difficult to evade. They were showing them off at Grand Central Terminal, redesigned. They sort of have high glass, and you can't step over them like you can step over those old-school turnstiles. We have found that fare evasion is at crisis levels across the transit system. Our most recent estimates are it's a $700 million a year problem. And we can't 
put at risk the ability of working class and middle class New Yorkers to get where they need to go. Do you have the same thought as I do when you hear a billion dollars or could be a billion dollars? Like who's paying? If it's a billion, if you're losing a billion dollars to fair evaders, I would think like, how much is your budget? How much do people pay? That's crazy. Uh, by the way, if you think it's just down below on the subways where they're losing these fares, you'd be wrong. It's also at MTA bridges and tunnels. People cover up their license plates, get away without paying there as well. We're going to pay as much attention to the driver of the Mercedes with the fake plate as we are to the person who's walking through the subway exit gate or the commuter rail rider who is hiding from the conductor. Yeah, you go after them all, but she's got billion dollars this year. That's crazy. 534, House Republicans halting a Democratic effort to expel Congressman George Santos from Congress. They voted along party lines yesterday to refer the matter to the House Ethics Committee, which has been investigating Santos. Here was a congressman yesterday. There is a procedure. You can't be judge, jury and executioner. I have a right, a constitutional right to defend myself, and I will do that. This all comes just about a week after Santos pled guilty last week. You remember 13, uh, not I should say not guilty, to 13 federal charges, including wire fraud, money laundering, lying about his personal finances. He recently announced his plans to run for re-election next year. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand introducing legislation that would create a permanent paid leave program. Paid family leave should be a national priority because our families should be a national priority. Our families are our fundamental drivers of this economy. So she says this thing called the Family Act would ensure every worker across the country would have access to paid family leave and medical leave. We need to keep fighting for the Family Act as the most important national priority, the most important economic investment we can make, the most important investment we can make in our children and in our future. Let's go out to Long Island, Nassau County. Distributing its second round of opioid settlement funding, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman says a committee charged now with designating the funds, which has taken its time to ensure the money is going to the right programs. A lot of the funds today are going to go for counseling, but I do want to stress that we are working on a very robust messaging and education program. So roughly about $5.2 million is going to be distributed to seven community groups in Nassau County aimed at combating the opioid epidemic. This is money they won in lawsuits. Blakeman expects another round of funding within the next 60 days as this committee figures out where the best of the money could be spent best. We want to make sure that the money is used well. The easiest thing to do is to have a big splash, give out a lot of money, and not have it be effective. Yes, in this case, he says it's going to take his time, and the right groups will get that cash. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to Harlem. Desperate search continues for two missing boys. The family of an 11-year-old, Alpha Barry, 13-year-old Garrett Warren, they were seen last Friday walking home together. And then since then, they have just vanished. Uh, Not clear why, but the families did not report them missing until Monday. Police are part of this search. Yesterday, it was family and friends. They were back out on the streets of Harlem handing out flyers, pictures of uh, Garrett and of Alpha, hoping somebody may have seen them. We are not too happy with what's happening right now. And our goal is to keep working hard as much as we can. And we want to let the community know and uh, we are still looking for uh, Alpha Barry. 
He's a smart kid or fun, uh, somebody fun to be around. So Alpha Barry's family says they keep getting multiple calls from people saying they've seen the boy. But uh, when they go race to the scene where he's last seen, they have not found him. So maybe he's being confused for somebody else. Barry, who's from the Bronx, Warren, who's from Harlem, uh, missing since Friday afternoon. There is a surveillance camera shot of them walking together. There was a thought that maybe they had gone into the Harlem River uh, over the weekend. Um, uh, Firefighters, uh, police were using sonar. Dive teams were in the water looking for them. They did not find them, so the search continues today. We're going to search land, air, and sea. Obviously, the water's right here. They're young children. We're going to take every precaution. We have state-of-the-art equipment for helicopters. We have a harbor unit, and we're going to use all our assets to look for these kids. Yeah, so far, they have not found the two. 540, uh, out to uh, Staten Island, 15-year-old boy killed in an incident at the Staten Island Railways uh, station on Wednesday afternoon. They think this was a case of, well, it wouldn't be subway surfing, but it was a train, but somebody surfing on the top of a train. Detectives believe the teen was on top of this Tottenville-bound train when he was hit by something, not immediately clear what hit his head. Officers raced to the scene about 1.20 after getting a 911 call about a teen with trauma to his head. It was just... It was a horrible scene. A large amount of blood could be seen spilling down the side of the train from the top of a car. A child who came by the station on his bicycle broke down when he was told what was happened, what had happened, because he knew the victim. And he said he had known the victim for a long time. Uh, We've had a number of these subway surfing incidents over the last couple of years. Uh, You might remember back in February, a 15 year old died after he climbed atop of J train and was hit by a beam. And then last year, all. August, a teenager lost his arm while trying to climb the top of a train in Queens. So sad to see this happening and now on Staten Island. 542, nice moment down in Washington, D.C. yesterday. President Biden honoring nine public safety officers with medals of valor, among them three NYPD officers and three FDNY firefighters commended for extraordinary bravery and service. The highest award this country can bestow on a public safety officer. The president awarding three medals of valor to uh, NYPD officer Wilbert Mora and his partner, officer Jason Rivera. You might remember those names. They were both ambushed and killed in Harlem back in 2022 by a deranged gunman. He also awarded a medal to officer Summit Sullen, who shot that deranged gunman in the incident. Today, we posthumously honored two deceased NYPD detectives from the 32nd Precinct. Wilbur Moore and Jackson, J- Jason Rivera. We honor Detective Sumi Sulan, who is also here today. Detective Rivera and Moore were hit. Detective Rivera died a few hours later at age 22, one of the youngest officers ever killed on the line of duty. Detective Moore died four days later, just 27 years old. I spoke with the family shortly after the funerals. I told them and I meant it then and I mean it now, that our nation is forever in debt for their loved ones and the sacrifice they made on behalf of their fellow citizens. So family members of both those officers who were killed in that shooting were at the White House yesterday. Also a nice moment for three of New York's um, firefighters. Uh, Firefighter Lieutenant Justin Hespiller, Firefighter Patrick Thornton, and retired Lieutenant Jason Hickey 
also given medals of valor. Two of them saved uh, a baby from a fire, an infant. They raced into this home and they were able to get this infant out and thankfully that infant okay today. Another one of the firefighters uh, dove into the water to save someone from a capsized boat, trapped under a capsized boat. So all of those well-deserved honors, medals of valor in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Let's bring it back here into the city, some bodegas in the city. Of course, been targets for criminals. Now they're going to get access to one million dollars for security upgrades. Bronx Assemblywoman Amanda Septimo announcing the Small Business Security Initiative yesterday. These establishments do so much to help keep us fed, happy, and healthy, and now we are stepping up to keep them safe. The money will pay for high-resolution security cameras, panic buttons to notify police, and software systems for emergency communications. Nearly four out of 10 high school students are experiencing poor mental health and student suicide rates are up, which is really disturbing considering one in five students has seriously considered I don't think that suicide. has anything to do with what we're talking about. But good news for those bodegas. They're going to get some extra money for security. In a moment, we're going to tell you what Mayor Adams is trying to do to stop the shoplifters who are stealing from bodegas and big chain stores alike. We'll get into that. But first, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam Layden. Starting with a big extra inning a win in Queens for the Mets. Best in the Tampa Bay Rays in 10. By a score of eight to seven, reeling late once again and staring their third straight loss in the face with a three-run deficit in the ninth. It was Francisco Alvarez who decided it'd be a good night for free baseball, and he drives one deep left field. That goes really. That ball's out of here, and the game is tied off the facing of the second deck. Francisco Alvarez brings the Mets back from the brink with a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game at five. And then, after the Rays hit back with two of their own to start the 10th, Pete Alonso said enough is enough in the bottom half. Alonso drives one, deep left field, really going back, it's out of here, and the Mets win it! Into the second deck, Alonso a three-run shot, and the Mets walking off for the first time this year. Those calls, courtesy of SNY, the Mets will have a chance to take the series against the MLB best race in the rubber match set for 1.10 p.m. this afternoon. Talon McGill will get the start against Tampa's Taj Bradley. As for the Yankees, the bats went cold up north in Toronto and route to a 3 to nothing loss in 10, squandering another very solid outing out of the ace Garrett Cole. Cole went six strong shutout innings, but Toronto's Chris Bassett countered with an even better outing, leaving zeros on the board until Danny Jensen's three-run walk-off homer in the bottom of the 10th. The Yanks still have a shot at winning the series in the finale tonight at 7.07 p.m. at a nasty Cortez, nasty Nestor Cortez, I should say, set to take the hill against Toronto's Jose Barrios. On the hardwood, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat went into Boston and stole game one of the East Finals against the Celtics. Final score being 123-116. to The Lakers and Nuggets are back in action in the West Finals tonight with an 8.30 p.m. tip-off for game two and Denver leading the series one game to none. And on the ice tonight, game one of the East Final between the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes is set for 8 p.m. in Carolina. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Owen. WABC News Time 549. Mayor Adams releasing a plan to try and combat the surge in shoplifting across the city over the last couple of years. The plan includes an increase in enforcement against repeat shoplifters and a plan to deter organized deter rather organized crime rings from shoplifting. The detectives are going to close those cases. 
Because that's how we send the message. The mere fact you were able to leave the store does not mean you left your, the prosecution. So there'll be a new database to allow retailers to submit incidents revolving appeat offenders to better track them and a neighborhood retail watch program for businesses near each to share theft information. So now you know if this dope's walking in your front door and you recognize them, uh, you can tell other people. Everybody will know who this person is. Maybe they'll catch up with them. Last year, the NYPD made 22,000 retail thefts arrests. 327 repeat offenders were responsible for nearly a third of those arrests. And they were all back out on the streets. We can't just continue to allow recidivist behavior to harm our city. It doesn't matter if it's retail theft or if it's violent crimes. Yeah, so uh, one of the big stories last year, remember this? The um, business improvement district down by Madison Square Garden decided, let's try this pilot program. And they put a dog in front of a CVS across the street from Madison Square Garden. And guess what? Shoplifting went way down. People were, you know, they were wondering what that dog would do if they were caught shoplifting. Uh, Of course, that's not cheap to do. That's part of the problem. But the dog pilot program that worked, CVS, they said shoplifting went down way down uh, when they posted that dog along with a guard outside the CVS across the street from Madison Square Garden. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. It continues to be what is a migrant crisis now here in New York City and across New York State. Parents up early, PS 172 in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, protesting. That was one of the schools that's being eyed to put the migrants in. They have one of those standalone gyms that's right next to the school. Of course, the kids normally use that essentially as a gym and it is an all-purpose room. These parents don't want the gym taken away from them. I think it's a bad situation all around. It's not good for the migrants. It's not good for our school here. They don't have IDs. How are they going to go in without not even a background check or what's even their last name? And our own Curtis Sliwa, who has broke so many of these migrant stories about where they're being sent. He was with these parents early today, PS 172 in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, supporting them. Temperatures have dropped. It's gotten colder. And we're here at PS 172, and you see the parents here and some of the children who go to school as they sit outside the school on 30th and 4th Avenue. And they're not leaving because uh, on Mother's Day, a lot of the materials were moved into the gymnasium. They were promised to the children. So that they could use it as part of the school. And then all of a sudden, with the migrants coming in, Eric Adams, the mayor, gave the order to the Department of Education to start moving the cots in. Yeah, amazing job done by our own Curtis Sliwa out with those parents early today. Uh, you can fight City Hall and win as parents at PS 8188 and Coney Island have found out. Uh, the migrants moved into a standalone gym there. The parents said, wait a minute, our kids, this is where they have recess. Guess what happened yesterday? Those migrants moved out, moved to a building owned by Toro College. Uh, that's on West 31st Street here in Manhattan across from the Moynihan Train Hall. Apparently, the building was not in use. Uh, more buses arrived yesterday. The latest arrivals, in addition to what we think, we're losing track because so many are coming in. 4,300 migrants have arrived in the last eight or nine days, but the number might be a whole lot higher. Mayor Adams, public advocate Jamani Williams, desperately asking the White House for help. It's so expensive. They're running out of space. This is an emergency. 
it's, it's, it's baffling to me that uh, there are those on a national level uh, are not understanding what this is doing to New York City. Wake up, President Biden. Do something. Anything. Fort Totten out in Queens being eyed as a place to put the migrants. That's right in City Councilwoman Vicki Palladino's district. She told Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning yesterday that the bus had better not show up. Fort Totten better not be touched. It had better not be touched. Because if you want to really bring the people out in droves, you touch any of our military bases, people will go hog wild. Yeah, so the uh, feds uh, would, I guess, have the final say of whether that fort could be used. Uh, so it's not clear how much say Councilwoman Palladino would have, but she doesn't want it to happen. Why can't we just say no? We did our share. That's enough. 54,000 or more are here. Turn the city upside down, totally dismantling every service that we have in place right now. And uh, it's time to turn the buses around and say no. And out in Riverhead, out on Long Island, they got word that a couple hotels, shelters there were going to be used for the migrants, that the mayor was ready to sign a deal or had signed a deal. So they uh, put a declaration of uh, emergency declaration in place to try to stop that from happening. We don't have the infrastructure to have an influx of individuals. That's the Riverhead town supervisor says they just can't handle the influx. So they sent police officers out to hotels, motels, homeless shelters that may have made a deal with the city and told them you better not do this. We have the police department deliver uh, the notices to uh, some of these uh, uh, transient locations that house individuals, informing them they will be in violation of our town code and it's illegal uh, for them not uh, to house these individuals. Yeah, not everybody's saying no, though, by the way. Up in Yonkers, Westchester County, they have welcomed migrants in to a Ramada in one other place there. And the school superintendent in Yonkers says if these kids eventually want to go to class, he said he would welcome them into the classroom. 555, uh, uh, what do you make of this Prince Harry, Meghan Markle story where... They said they had, this is what they claimed, they had about a near catastrophic, more than two-hour paparazzi chase through Manhattan. They drew comparisons to Princess Diana's fatal 1997 crash in Paris. But cops say the ordeal, NYPD cops say the ordeal was not as bad or as dramatic as the couple claimed. I guess the pair had been speaking at an event in midtown Manhattan and the paparazzi chased them out of there uh, in a car. And But they said they drove around for two hours trying to get rid of the paparazzi. Seems like two hours would be an awfully long time. Here was the mayor weighing in on yesterday. It would be horrific to lose an innocent bystander during a chase like this and something to have happened uh, to them as well. So I think we have to be extremely responsible. Uh, I thought that was a bit reckless. Yeah, so apparently they were trying to lose these photographers because they didn't want them to know where they were staying for the night. I mean, it was in a building, but apparently that was part of the deal here. At one point, they got into a cab. I guess they were trying to trick the photographers. Here's the cabbie who picked them up. I was just crossing on 67 going cross town, and I see a security guard ask me if he wants, uh, if I want a fare, and I said, of course, and then next he will pull over. And next minute, you know, they were humping, jumping in back into my cab. Yeah, then apparently later they jumped back out again. Uh, this whole story is not uh, done yet. We're going to get more details on this. But for a couple who doesn't want attention and who left uh, royalty because they wanted to get away from it all, it seems like they get more attention than the royal than anybody in, in England, in the UK does. Oh, just strange. All right.